Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio, the show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topic for this evening are, we're a quarter away through the NFL season, who's hot and who's not. The start of the NBA season is right around the corner. We previewed the two opening night games. The MLB playoffs are in full force. Comebacks, comebacks, and more comebacks. The Fire Brigade recaps last week's games and gives you their prediction for week seven's biggest games. With that, I give you our assistant fire chief of our fire brigade, Colton Cow. Thanks, Matt. Glad to be here on a Wednesday night here on a fall uh, day here in Delaware, Ohio, in uh, Matt's basement. Um, you know, as you know, we took the week off last week. Uh, the chief and the assistant chief were in uh, Las Vegas last week. Uh, having fun some, without us. Yeah, having some having some days off, enjoying the nice weather out in Vegas, and even betting on some sports out there, and uh, you know, making making a little bit of money. So. <laughs> Um, you know, we had, a, we had a good time, but, you know, glad to be back and, you know, glad to be back in the studio. So, uh, you know, as Matt, Matt mentioned, our, our first topic this, this evening is uh, we're going to, you know, we're a little bit of quarter way through the NFL season. So we're going to break down some of the, some of the, you know, early surprises, disappointments, you know, who we think might win MVP, maybe, you know, Super Bowl matchups or, you know, team to take home the Super Bowl. So Matt, why don't you, why don't you kick us off here with, uh, you know, your possible, maybe Super Bowl matchup or, you know, team that you think might might possibly take it all this year? Yeah, you know, the quarter way through the season, some teams that I'm really liking for a, for a possible Super Bowl matchup right now. I'm going with the uh, L.A. Rams and the Buffalo Bills. Both these teams are currently 4-1, and one, and they're playing they're playing great on both ends of the ball. They, they really seem to be complete teams. They're, they're going to be hard to beat the rest of the way. Uh, they're, real, they're real contenders. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, they're, they're, yeah, both playing real, real hot. Um, I think, you know, it, it might be maybe a little bit of consistency, you know, issues with the Rams because they come off that big win against, you know, Tampa Bay and, and look, you know, electric in that. And then the next week they go against the Cardinals and just, you know, kind of lay an egg. And that was the Cardinals. Yeah, it was, you know, it might be a test, a testament to, you know, how good the Cardinals are, are this year. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things, I guess, you know, to be the best, you got to beat the best. Very so, true. Um, you know, I think the, the Rams, uh, you know, got their got their work cut out from. Um, it's it's you know not easy to to win that you know Super Bowl. It's not just to you know win win one week. You you gotta you gotta play consistent throughout throughout the whole season. But you know, well, I talked about it you know a little bit. You know, my my favorite, I guess, to win win the Super Bowl this year. I, I still got you know Tampa Bay. Um, mm-hmm. They're sitting at four and one, uh, first in the NFC South. Um, you know, I, I think. Until somebody can can truly prove to me that you know they can knock off you know Tom a Tom Brady led team in the playoffs, you know right. I, I'm not ready to to jump ship off the the Super Bowl you know champs. Well, that, uh, I'll tell you that man's truly found the fountain of youth out there. Oh, just, he looks like a young guy playing ball. He's just throwing touchdown pass after touchdown pass. Yeah, and and looking the best I think I've ever seen him. Yeah, he's uh you know in year you know whatever he's year whatever twenty whatever in the NFL now and you know age forty five. Um, I mean he looks like he's twenty years old out there still yeah. slinging the pigskin and, and having one of the probably the best statistical seasons he's had you know in, in many many years here and, and you know he's obviously getting older but uh he, he's definitely you know leading that team and I think um it, it's probably good because the defense I don't think is as good as it was maybe towards the end of the season mm-hmm. last year but you know if you remember kind of kind of last year that the the defense really didn't start to come on until like the playoffs right. started yeah, um, they, so they played a lot better in the playoffs yeah the um, and, and I think now you know uh of course, you know, Tampa, you know, Tampa Tom having another off season to work with all those receivers, you know, his, his friend Gronk and, you know, adding a couple other pieces on the, on the offense has really, you know, allowed him to just really excel in this, in this style of offense that Bruce Arians has. And like I said, he's thrown, you know, 15 passing touchdowns, which is second in the NFL this, this year. And he actually has just shy of 1800 passing yards, which is good for first in the NFL. So, He's leading, you know, some major categories as far as, you know, QB statistics go, um, you know, and, and another good thing is, you know, they're almost 50% on third down conversion. So, you know, they're, they're keeping, keeping drives alive. They're keeping, right. you know, the ball moving down the field and then giving their offense a real chance to, to score some points. Um, so I, I like Tampa here um, to, to keep, you know, keep going. I, I think their division is, is pretty weak. So mm-hmm. I, I think they, you know, can maybe, coast a little bit throughout throughout the throughout the season as far as the division goes but uh 
you know, and get get ready for for the playoffs. Um, you know, I know it's it's, it's early. We're, right. we're only five games in, and, and there's you know a lot of football to go. So, Matt, well, what what do you think uh, as far as MVP goes? Who who do you like your early favorite for that? Yeah, I know we just talked a lot about all the the great stats that Tom Brady had, but right now I've got to go with Josh Allen in Buffalo. Through five games, the team's four and one. He's completed 114 of 183 passes. That's 62, 62.3% completion rate. Uh, he's got 1,370 yards, 12 touchdowns, only two INTs. So he's being very efficient with the football. He's driving his team. But he's also added another dynamic to his game really a little more this year. He's, he's rushing the ball really well. He's got 188 yards rushing, two touchdowns. He's got one lost fumble, but – his rushing game is really what I think did Kansas City in in that game. Mm, he mm. he was just so dynamic as a playmaker. Kansas City didn't know what to do as far as how to stop him. So right. he, him being able to run the ball, him being able to pass the ball, it, it really made it tough for Kansas City. And and that win is really why he's the leader right now because mm-hmm. that, that's a huge win against a team that a lot of people predicted to win the Super Bowl. So that, that's what put him in, in on my leaderboard at the moment. Yeah, yeah, no, makes makes sense. And, and it's kind of strange that the Chiefs weren't able to kind of defend that kind of dynamic quarterback when they, you know, for the last several years have had that style right. of dynamic quarterback with Mahomes, you know, being able to run around in the pocket and just make plays. Maybe not always, you know, running for stuff, but just being able to use his legs to get outside the pocket and just, you know, Absolutely. find open receivers. So, uh, but yeah, the, the the Bills are playing playing well. Um, but I, I got a different guy uh, for MVP. I got uh, a guy by the name of Kyler Murray, the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, and you know, sim- similar to the Bills, um, he, he's the, the Cardinals are the only undefeated team left in the yeah. NFL right now. Um, you know, they're five five and zero, sitting at first in the NFC West. And, you know, when we were kind of previewing some of the some of the divisions, you know, we, we talked about this NFC West being maybe one of the, the toughest division in the NFL um, with the, the Rams and the 49ers and the Seahawks all there, you know, sitting within pretty much a game of each other. Right. Uh, it's going to be, you know, tough, tough slate going forward for the Cardinals. But, um, you know, Kyler Murray's been been a huge asset this year for, for the Cardinals. Um, he's got the, the team's averaging almost 32 points a game, which is good for fourth in the NFL. Uh, he's, he's thrown for 1,500 passing yards, and he actually has a 75% completion rate, which is first among among quarterbacks um, in, in the NFL. So I, I like Kyler. If he can keep, you know, keep doing what he's doing the rest of the season, you know, keep having success with the Cardinals. The Cardinals can make, you know, a little bit of noise maybe in the, in the playoffs. Um, you know, history is on our side, you know, picking QBs right. because – 13 of the past 14 seasons, a QB has won the MVP. So, you know, I, I like our odds. If you're, if you're picking a <laughs> you're QB, picking somebody's QB, yeah, you're, 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 you're more than choice. likely going to, you know, hit on that. But, uh, you know, I, I think Kyler, yeah, if he can keep, keep moving forward, you know, get out of that tough, tough division with, you know, very minimal damage. And, and, you know, I think for him is going to be, can he stay healthy? Right. Um, you know, he's, he's one of those that does like to scramble quite a bit and isn't, isn't a super big guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, can he stay healthy? Can he keep going? And, you know, we're already got question marks because he's potentially not going to play this week against the Browns. Um, so, you know, hopefully he can he can stay healthy so he can keep those numbers going to, to possibly get that MVP award. And it's funny, Kyler's kind of following the same path that Baker did. His, his first year, he was uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Second year, Baker had the best year of his career, mm-hmm. looked great. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see what next year brings for Kyler because mm-hmm. this year's been kind of a down year for Baker. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're very similar type of quarterbacks come out of the same system. Right. It'll be interesting to see what the NFL does next year with Kyler, but he is having a great season so far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of great seasons, Matt, um, you know, who, who do you think so far, you know, has been your most surprising team? Yep. Well, I've made, made no qualms about it in previous shows. My favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys, and that's who I'm going with. Uh, you know, being a fan, I've been kind of down on them for a while. Their defense has been awful uh, with Dak out last year. Their offense was awful. Nothing was working. But, you know, with Dak back now and – uh, new defensive coordinator at the helm. This team's really turned things around. They started the season off four and one, and they're a play away from being five and zero. Oh. Uh, you know, we knew their offense with Dak would they, they'd be pretty good. I didn't know they were going to be second in the NFL in scoring, good, mm-hmm. averaging thirty four points a game. And then this defense is just phenomenal. Who who knew that they had this in them? You know, they lead the league with ten interceptions. Uh, Trayvon Diggs has six of them. Uh, uh, Brown has two others, and then two other guys have one. So, I mean, the, the defense is just flying around. They're playing great ball, and I, I really didn't see it coming out of the Cowboys. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, man, I, I have to agree. I, I, I picked them as my, you know, most surprising team as well. You know, like you said, they're sitting there at 4-1, first in the NFC East. Uh, I think they play in maybe a potentially 
easy easy division yeah. uh so they they you know have have that you know going for them so you know it's it's going to be how do they look against teams outside of their division and right. so far you know the teams that they have played out, outside of maybe you know tampa bay but like you said they're you know one two plays away from potentially winning that game so you know it definitely is, is coming as a big surprise um coming off a team that you know finished third in the nfc east last year missed the playoffs um you know Dak went down with a gruesome leg injury yeah. you didn't know what what you were going to get you know this year and he's he's lighting it up i mean he's yeah a key piece on that offense as to why, you know, that offense is playing as well as they are. Yeah, he's definitely deserving that payday they gave him. And I, I was skeptical about the payday. I thought it was too much. But, you know, he's, he's playing like a league MVP, and he's playing like he deserves the paycheck he got. Yeah, and I think also you're seeing on, on that offense also the resurgence of, of Zeke. Zeke's yes. getting back to, you know, doing what he – so it, it doesn't put as much pressure on Dak to make right. all the throws, to make those, you know, receivers catch all the balls. You know, Zeke can pick up a little bit of the weight, and he's, you know – third in the NFL in rushing yards this this uh this season so far and you know hopefully they can you know have kind of that balanced offense right. to, to keep keep moving forward but I think the biggest surprise for me and it, and it sounds like it was for you Matt was that defense Absolutely. you know we, we talked a lot about it you know about how they yeah were not good last year have not been historically good the last right. couple of years but has been a major you know 360 here mm-hmm. for for the Dallas defense um only giving up about 22 points per game yeah. you know you talked about the interceptions um, and it's crazy because Trayvon Diggs last year, they were talking about, you know, how bad, you know, maybe he was a bust for the, right. you know, the Cowboys to pick him. He didn't look so good, uh, but he's having a phenomenal second yeah. year here. Yeah. And that's just proven. We, we, we need to kind of settle down on calling all these rookies bust after their first season. You know, a lot of times these guys just need a minute to, to catch up to the speed of the game, mm-hmm. really learn what they're doing. Right. You know, we, we got to kind of lay off some of these guys <laughs> yeah. a little bit, give them a chance. Right. And, you know, you might really be rewarded. Right. I think, uh, you know, a lot of times because, you know, Trayvon Diggs is an Alabama, you know, cornerback, right. you know, we, we often think, okay, Alabama, they're just, you know, these players are going to instantly come in. They're going to be great. They're phenomenal because of how good Alabama is. Yeah. But I think at the same time, you kind of get that sense that, Alabama is good as a as a team. Mm. When when you come, you know, to an NFL team, it's not Alabama. You're not playing with right. Alabama. You're playing with individual guys from all different schools, yeah. from all different schemes, from you know all different walks of life that you know have weaknesses and strengths. And, right. and I think you know sometimes it yeah it can just take a year or two for a rookie to adjust that you know I got to do certain things that you know maybe I didn't have to do in college because yep. I had other teammates that were capable of doing those things yeah. so I think it's and just just the yeah, style of play so, so, so some people too. yeah are able to pick it up quicker quicker than others and and just you know adjusting to you know and, and I think corner has to be one of the hardest positions in the NFL because yeah. of just the way that it's officiated the way mm-hmm. that you know offensive players are able to do what they're able to do sometimes. So I, I would say corner is probably one of the hardest positions, at least on the defensive side of the ball yeah. to adjust to when you come to the NFL. Absolutely. So, um, but speaking of, of disappointments, um, you know, we're, we're going to then talk about who's your, who's your most disappointing team so far yeah. through the first five games. Yeah. We, we talked about this team as the team that just got beat by the Buffalo bills. I'm talking about the Kansas city chiefs. They're sitting in last place in the AFC West right now at two and three on the season. They, I mean, their offense is still toward the top of the league, and they're playing okay, but the defense they, that was one of the best in the league last year is now looking like one of the worst. They've given up 163 points so far through the season. They've looked slow and out of place all season long. They're just not playing like a Super Bowl caliber team, and I, I don't know if that that decimation they took in the Super Bowl last year has just gotten in their heads and they're they're down or, or yeah. what, but th- this isn't the same defense that we saw a year ago. Yeah, I don't know, and, and it seems like it, it the news just keeps getting worse for the Chiefs. The injuries are now starting to pile up for the Chiefs. I mean, their their running back is out now for several weeks. I mean, it just seems like it's it's getting 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 worse, you know, then there and there's no real answers or no, you know, solutions to some of the Chiefs problems yeah. because you know, in the NFL, once the season starts, I mean, it's 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 bang, bang, bang. Like, it's back to back to back. Like, you don't really get a whole lot of time to make kind of adjustments. Right. But, you know, major adjustments, you, yeah, you know. Get you them on the fly. Make, make some minor stuff here and there. But because of, you know, how quickly, you know, things move in the NFL, it, it's really tough to, you know, kind of right the ship. And, uh, you know, I, we, we talked about the AFC West. I think that division is a little bit tougher than what people, you know, thought it was going to be um you know the chargers sitting at the top you know of that division they look like they're you know a comparable team looking like a tough team in the afc west um but even the broncos and the raiders look you know look competent look you know like a decent team out there so i don't think that 
you know, the Chiefs can just rest back and say, oh, you know, what the heck, you know, yeah. we can beat the rest of our teams in our division, but, you know, and we'll just make it through 500 with the rest of the teams outside of our division. Like, they actually have to play the teams in their division and play well there, too. So, of course, at least now the, we, the Raiders, we may see a fall off on the Raiders. They, right. You know, their coach just resigning over all that issue. And, right. You know, the Broncos, are they really going to, are they going to stay hot Relevant, playing yeah. good? Yeah. So, I mean, Kansas City is going to get right back into the thick of things in that division, but. You know, they, they've got a lot of work to do. Right, right. I mean, and I think at this point, you know, the Chiefs aren't just looking for winning the division. They they obviously want to win Super another Bowl Super Bowl. Bowl. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's one of those things that, yeah, they, they want to win that division, set themselves up well in the playoffs. But, you know, for sure they want to, you know, they want to make some noise in the playoffs. So, and then that doesn't, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. But uh, for me, you know, my, my most disappointing team, I think, is uh, so far has got to be the Indianapolis Colts. Um, they're, they're sitting at one and four, t- actually surprisingly tied for second in their mm. division um, because their division is <laughs> horrible. Uh, but, you know, I, I think this is a team, you know, last year finished 11 and five, tied for first in the AFC South, um, you know, lost the tiebreaker to the to the Titans last year. And you know, were nearly knocked off the Buffalo Bills, who, mm-hmm. you know, was the team that made it to the AFC championship game, nearly knocked them off in the first round in the wild card. Um, but, you know, so far through this year, uh, they're they're only scoring a little over 20 points a game um, towards the bottom of the league as far as scoring goes. Um, they are dead last in red zone scoring percentage. Um, so when they get in the red zone, they're only scoring on about 37% of their mm-hmm. red zone trips, which is not – doesn't set you up for success in the NFL. And, and, uh, but, but on the flip side, then the defense is is not helping them out either because they're giving up almost 70% when it comes to red zone, you know, scoring opportunities. So that that's towards the top, you know, top half of the, of the league. So defense is supposed to be the strength of that team. Right. Right. Um, and you know, when you're, when you're not scoring, when you get to the red zone, but you're letting other teams score, you know, that, you know, that, other teams score more points than you that usually doesn't yeah. lead to victories you can't um, tra- trade touchdowns for field goals and things like that right and, and, and I think you know everybody had some some higher expectations bringing in Carson Wentz you know mm-hmm. kind of a fresh start for him a new environment you know what would it do for him and I won't say that he's played horrible but he hasn't been that exceptional level that right. we yeah we saw the first maybe couple seasons there in Philadelphia uh, he's probably been let's say mediocre mi- middle of the road quarterback play so far um, I, I think for the Colts going forward, because their division is so bad, that, you know, they're going to get a lot of wins because right. they have to play, you know, some of the worst teams in their <laughs> in their division. Um, but, you know, the, the losses have come to teams outside of their division, and, it, and it's, it's one of those things that they haven't really looked competitive in those games. Right. So I think this team is not just looking – division they're looking you know to make some noise in the playoffs and you know you've got to beat obviously other teams outside your division when you come to the playoffs yeah. so we'll it'll, see it'll be interesting to, to look back on this here in a few more weeks you know halfway point three-quarter yeah. point and, and kind of see how things are changing right I, I do think some of our biggest disappointments kind of we did we did the same thing in basketball and mm-hmm. our biggest disappointments were completely different by the right. end of the year so yeah yeah it'll be interesting sure. It's uh, like I said, only only five games in. There's still a lot of football to go. You know, a lot of things can happen in the in the remaining you know 12, 13 games that we got left. So, all right, well we're gonna switch it over then to a different sport. We're gonna move on over to basketball. Um, the like we said, the NBA season is just right around the corner. Um, it starts up next week on the 19th, October 19th. That's Tuesday next week. Uh, we got opening night. We got two two different games. So we're just going to kind of preview, talk a little bit about the two games going on that night. And uh, the first one is the Brooklyn Nets versus the Milwaukee Bucks, which is a 7.30 p.m. Eastern time start on TNT. Uh, Matt, what, what you got for that? Yeah, this is looking to be a, a great, exciting matchup for the first night of the NBA season here, a rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals from a year ago. Uh, the, the Nets are now healthy, but they're still going to be without Kyrie Irving due to not getting the COVID vaccination. And uh, that being a rule in Brooklyn where you, you can't can't play in the arena, can't practice with them. So, you know, they're going to be without him. Um, Milwaukee, they've got their big three of Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday. So uh, I think uh, with Milwaukee having that big three and the Nets being a short man down with Kyrie, that's, that's not looking good for the Nets. I, I think Milwaukee going to kind of, you know, they've had a little more rest too. Well, Giannis has anyway. He, he wasn't in the Olympics where you had um, – Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was playing in the Olympics. I know uh, 
Middleton also played in the Olympics. Did uh, was Drew Holiday Drew as Holiday well? Was, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, two two of their big three did also play in the Olympics. Um, so you know, I, 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 a lot of years passed. It's been it's been different. Some some players, you know, that extra playing time it it does great things for them. Mm-hmm. It, it gets them in a groove. They, they start out great at the season. Other ones, they seem to be tired and lagging at the beginning of the season. Durant, I think it might actually be a good thing for though, because he he played really well in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. He had to be the center of attention when when it was time for right. Team USA to step up to win that gold, mm-hmm. and he he really took over. So, I think he got some of that killer instinct back in the Olympics. I think it could be a good thing for him, mm-hmm. but but I think with Giannis being rested and and really Brooklyn has nobody who can guard Giannis. Mm-hmm. So, I just I, I I see Milwaukee winning this one. Milwaukee's won uh, five out of the last six home games against the Nets, and uh, I think that continues here. Yeah, yeah, no, when I when I looked at this game, and obviously, like I said, the game's not until next week, but currently, you know, Vegas has the Nets favored by a point, which is, you know, kind of strange to me because the Bucks are going to be playing at home. I mean, the crowd is going to be going absolutely nuts because they're going to put that banner up in the up in the rafters. All the players are going to get their championship rings. It's just going to be a really awesome environment to be in. So, you know, I was kind of kind of sh- you know, shocked that the Nets were still favored by by a point. Hmm. Them also not playing, you know, Kyrie more than likely will not be, you know, in uniform for that game. Um, you know, and that that's almost a thirty point score that won't be out there for for the Nets. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's you know going to be a, a kind of a hit. But you know, this this Nets team also was kind of used to last year, you know, playing with at least one of the superstars mm-hmm. not in the lineup. So, you know, it, it's just kind of a continuation of that. But I think, you know, the home crowd, the atmosphere, I think is really going to be the difference for the Bucks. Obviously, this is only game game one. We got 81 more games to go. Right. I think the Nets, you know, they're not super worried about, you know, game one. They're they're more worried about what can we do when we get to April. Yeah. But I think the Bucks, you know, the atmosphere, everything going on, I think the Bucks will take will take. You know, one. it's interesting that you talk about the the ring ceremony and all that. I'd be interested to see stats of how teams play and their ring ceremony night. Cause it, it could be mentally draining though. You're, yeah. you're getting your ring, it's a, you're, an emotional just, night yeah, too, you, you know, you're getting all that. And right. you're, you're, you're feeling something you've never felt before. Right. You are finally realizing you're really a champion, you know, right, right. Could, could it be an emotional downer though? When you get out there to play, I, right. it'd be interesting to kind of pull stats of previous games where uh, teams have had their championship celebrations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what, what the stats look on like. And, that. And maybe that has a little bit on why Vegas, favors the Nets. Could, Maybe could, they have looked at something like yeah, that. Yeah, it could be. Um, but yeah, that, that would be interesting to look at, man. I didn't didn't think of that. But um, you know, switching over to the to the West then we got, you know, later game, we got the Golden State Warriors taking on the new look Los Angeles Lakers. That game will then conclude will come after the you know the Brooklyn game around ten PM Eastern time on, on TNT as well. And uh, you know, currently the Lakers favored by by five points matt so what, what what do you think about that yeah you know the warriors are still going to be without clay thompson who isn't quite ready to go yet but they do have a healthy steph curry and draymond green uh they're going to be going against the big three plus some more aging stars of lebron james anthony davis russell westbrook and then the, the geriatric crew of carmelo anthony deandre jordan dwight howard and rajon rondo but, you know, I'm going with the Warriors in this one. They right. returned the bulk of the team that was the hottest team in basketball at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that so the bulk of that's back. They, they were playing without Clay when they were that hot. Mm-hmm. They, they beat the Lakers last year. Yeah. Um, but And then I also think it's going to take time for this Lakers team to adjust and gel together. Mm-hmm. Kind of like we saw with Brooklyn last season. Mm-hmm. Those stars weren't immediately ready to play together and play well. Right. So I, I think this Lakers team is going to take a little while to gel and get together. And I, I think with Golden State being more of a cohesive unit in this first game, I'm going with Golden State here. All right. All right. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Like, yeah, that, that that's kind of my big storyline going into this one is, you know, how does the new addition of, you know, point guard Russell Westbrook and then, you know, small forward Carmelo Anthony really fit into this scheme of, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis kind of, you know, duo that's been there. Um, how, how does how do they work themselves into, you know, make contributions uh, for the Lakers? And, you know, I think it's going it's, to it's really going to be a big adjustment, I think, for Russell Westbrook more than mm-hmm. Carmelo Anthony, um, because Carmelo Anthony, it's, it's going to be more of, you know, he's just going to give him some quality minutes, get some scoring, right. you know, stuff like that. He's not going to be called upon to be necessarily the guy, let's right. say, um, where Westbrook, it, it's going to be a little bit different for him because he's always, you know, the, at least the last several years has been the guy or, you know, has been the guy, you know, has, yeah. has been used to being the guy. And, and, and now, three. now it's, it's not like that. And, and so, you know, he's, he's coming off a, a season last year with the Wizards where he scored 22, almost 20, more than 22 points per game, which was second on the team. 
had 11 and a half rebounds, which was first on the team as a point guard, and then had 11.7 assists per per game and led the team and also had almost two steals a game that led the team. So he's kind of a do it all kind of guy. But I think for me, I think it, it's going to be what can he do on that defensive end? Because that was, you know, kind of where we saw last year, maybe the Lakers weren't so weren't so hot, you know, right. on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think he can be a nice, you know, addition as far as, you know, guarding some of the best point guards out there in the West. Um, I, I think the Lakers get it, get it done. Um, you know, I, I think that they'll, find just enough to, to make it work. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. Five might be a little, little, little high still. Right. I think that it'll be a closer game, closer game than that. But, you know, I, I just think without, you know, Clay Thompson there in, in the Warriors, I, I think, uh, you know, that, that the Lakers find a way to find a way to get it done. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to switch over to uh, the, the playoffs here for the, for baseball. Um, you know, they're in, they're in full swing here, here in October. So, you know, we're, we're already, you know, almost to World Series time, almost, yeah. it feels like. Moving um, right along. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to start over in the, in the AL. Um, we're going to start with the, with the first series there with the number one Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the – Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay Rays. Buccaneers, <laughs> geez. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays versus number four Boston Red Sox. Um, Red Sox took the series three to one. Uh, you know, the Rays took game one, and it looked like, you know, the Rays kind of just going to cruise through this series and then – uh, game two, three, and four. I mean, the Red Sox couldn't have been any hotter uh, mm-hmm. as far as the offensive side of the ball, you know, goes. Uh, Matt, what, what were your kind of impressions, or what, what do you think of that? Yeah, really. Like I said, the series was all about offense. The Red Sox averaged six runs per game. The Rays were still right there with them that whole series. They averaged five runs per game. I mean, this was really a close series all the way throughout. Game one was a blowout for Tampa, but then game two was a blowout for the Sox. Mm-hmm. Game three and four, though, were, were two and one run games respectively. So. I mean, these two teams were, were were right there with each other, all, you know, the whole series long. And, and you know, the Red Sox are proven as a wild card team. They deserve to be there, and they yeah. deserve to move on. They're, they're looking good on the offensive side. And I, I think they're going to have to do a little more with their pitching if they want to be able to get to the World Series. But right. if, if that offense can keep hitting that stride and keep going with it, they, they can make some noise. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think on the Red Sox side of things, you know, you got – 56 hits and 26 runs that they scored in this series against a Rays team that came in leading the MLB in ERA as, as a pitching staff, right. you know, so that, they, they were able to get to that pitching, you know, outside of game one, getting, you know, skunked five to nothing. Um, they, you know, were able to, you know, get to those pitchers and get to them early uh, and then really, you know, wreak havoc on that pitching staff for, for Tampa Bay and, you know, if you're Tampa Bay, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of, you know, as a fan, you know, kind of a little bit disappointed, right. um, you know, first time in history that they make it to the playoffs three straight years. Uh, they, you know, coming off a World Series trip last year, mm-hmm. win a franchise record 100 games, you know, number one seed in the AL, uh, you know, you're, you're expecting big things and, and to, you know, get knocked out, you know, not only the way that they did, but then also to a division rival. I mean, right. that, that really stings, but. You know, I think they'll be, you know, they'll be there. I mean, they have one of the lowest, you know, payrolls in baseball. So, you know, a lot of their players aren't, aren't yeah. going anywhere. Um, and that's the thing. Are they, are they just one of those small market teams that are just happy to be there, though? Right, I right. mean, you, you look at like a team like Oakland. They, they were they're always happy to be there. Mm-hmm. Nobody was really too mad they didn't win World Series. Yeah. It, that could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing, though. I mean, sometimes you got to get that pressure on to, to really get to be able to get to the World Series and win it all. Yeah. So, uh talking about the other series in the AL then, you know, who the Red Sox will match up then in the, in the ALCS, we got the number two seed, the Houston Astros versus the number three seed uh, Chicago White Sox. And the Astros took this, took this series three, three to one, Um, you know, outside of game three, the White Sox really just never really got it, got it going Mm -hmm. as far as the offensive, you know, side of the ball goes, Uh, you know, the Astros, I mean, were pretty consistent as far as it goes hit, hitting there. Uh, Matt, you got anything to say about about them? Yeah, the Astros' offense was just awesome. They outscored the White Sox thirty-one to eighteen in this series, and <laughs> like you said, other than that game three win for the White Sox, that no other game in this series was even close. So, yeah. I mean, the Astros are really hitting their stride on offense, and you know that could spell doom for the Red Sox if it's offense versus offense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what we get in this next series. Yeah. So, just a little little preview then. Like I said, the, the ALCS. Um, you know, the, the the Astros going up against the Red Sox. Um, you know, these teams faced each other seven times in the regular season. The Astros won five out of the seven games. Um, you know, I, I think coming into this, this is gonna 
be tough for the for the Red Sox. You know, the the Rays maybe didn't have the offense, excuse me, the offensive firepower that you know the that Houston has. Houston right. has a lot of firepower, and I think there's just a lot of things working against the Red Sox coming into this into this series. Um, the Astros scored 863 runs in the in the regular season, good for first in the MLB. Um, they you know in those seven games that they played. Uh, the Astros hit three had a 300 batting average, mm. hit nine home runs and 19 doubles. Um, on the flip side, Red Sox only hit 210 batting average, had five home runs, and then surprisingly had 15 doubles, but you know wasn't able to score. You know, got players in scoring position, but weren't right. able to get those guys you know to hold plate. So you know the difference I think in that is that the Astros took advantage, scored more runs. Mm. So I think yeah, definitely. Boston's, you know, their pitching wasn't phenomenal in that series against the Rays. They're definitely going to have to be on their top of the game, you know, top of their game here against the Astros if they want to have a chance to move on to the World Series. Yeah. So I, I don't think anybody outside of Houston's rooting for Houston anyway. Mm. So there'll be a lot of Boston fans. <laughs> in this I, I think this is going to be an interesting series where if there was a chance where both teams could possibly lose, I think everybody <laughs> outside of maybe Boston and, and, and Houston are, are calling for that because, as you know, these are two teams that are, uh, you know, around the cheating of, you know, stealing signs right. scandal, um, you know, and, and Alex Cora was, you know, in Houston was, you know, the manager in Houston mm -hmm. when all of this stuff went down now is with Boston. They got accused of cheating. I yeah. mean, it, it's, it's a whole thing. So it's, it's going to be, and, and Alex Cora and Dusty Baker have some bad blood between each other. So it, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. There, uh, I'll tell you what, there's going to be a lot of conspiracy theorists with as good as these offenses have played in that, right, that, right. that last round. Right. They, yeah. they, they find a new way to, to steal some signs. <laughs> right. So we'll, we'll see how that, how that <laughs> plays out. Obviously they're going to play a, a seven game series. Uh, we'll see, you know, how, how it goes. Um, but yeah, I expect a lot of, a lot of, you know, offense in, yeah. in that series. Um, but flipping it over then to the NL, we got the, Number one, San Francisco Giants versus the number four, Los Angeles Dodgers. And currently that series is tied two to two. Um, you know, this one has been, you know, kind of back and forth here so far. And and, and we got game five tomorrow night. Um, and we'll see, you know, winner, winner take all type deal, Matt. Who, who do you like or, you know, what what's your comments about this series so yeah, far? It, the deciding game five tomorrow will feature for the Dodgers, uh, Julio Urias. Uh, he's 20 and three on the season. He goes against Logan Webb, who's 11 and three. Um, for San Francisco, um, I, I, th I think, you know, in, in a big game like this, you really, it, it, I think it comes down to pitching at this point. Mm -hmm. and with, with Julio Urias on the mound, I think that, that's going to be huge for Los Angeles. I think the Dodgers, who, who are really the second best team in that division anyway, you know. Second they, team, best team in baseball. Right, so. right. yeah, absolutely. So the, I think they're really going to show that they they deserve, you know, to be a little higher than that four seed. It really stinks for San Francisco because this this really should have been the, the championship. Yeah, the NLCS. But, you know, <laughs> what, what can you do the way the the way it's the way it's set up? Right. But uh, I think with the Dodgers and who they have on the mound, I think their pitching, their pitching staff all around is a little bit better. I, I think uh, when it comes down to pitching in a big-time game like this, I, I think the Dodgers just have – have, have the edge here, and I'm, go I'm going with the Dodgers. All right, yeah, and I, I think for me that kind of going to be the key to this game five is going to be, you know, can the Dodgers get hits early? Can they mm -hmm. get runs early? Because if you look at, you know, the games that they've lost, they lost game one, four to nothing. They mm -hmm. lost game three, one to nothing. But in the games that they've won, the Dodgers won nine to two. Right. Game four, they won seven to two. So can can they get to the pitching staff early of, yeah. that, of those Giants, get some hits, get people, you know, scoring? That's going to be the difference, I think, you know, in this game, can the Giants, you know, pitchers stay cool, calm, and collective, right. keep those Dodgers, you know, hitters down in the in the counts? Uh, for me, I know I, I like the underdog. Um, you know, I like the I like the Giants here in, in this one. You know, they're playing at home. Um, I, I think that you know they're going to have the home. I, I guess I don't even know if you can call it a home game because the Dodgers are just down the right. road. But you know, at the same time, they'll have you know I would say majority of the fans are going to be yeah. you know Giants Giants fans and. You know, it, even though Urias is on the on the mound, I, I think you know Logan Webb is Logan Webb is still a competent enough pitcher for mm -hmm. for the Giants going out there with an eleven and three and just a slightly over three ERA. Right. I think he'll he'll be able to control the game early on, uh, and, and and you know limit those Dodgers you know players from from getting some hits. Win a win a real tight game. You know, like I said, 
The Giants have won in close games. You know, all their wins have been close because they've limited the runs by the Dodgers. I like the Giants in a, in a close one. It's, it's kind of funny to call the uh, number one seed with the best record in baseball the underdog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. When you when you when you face the defending you know World Series champions, yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah yeah you're you're not getting a good reputation even when even though you're the best team in baseball yeah. this year, but and even a surprise team to yeah. you know that that's the best team in baseball. Uh, you know, not a lot of people were were picking the Giants to, you know, do much this this year. But you know, surprising they they they're they're right there and, and maybe you know one game away from the NLCS. Yeah. Well, the the team that they you know team that they are going to be matching up with then um, you know after winning their series um, against the Brewers uh, was the Atlanta Braves. They won that series, um, you know, three to one. They lost game one and then won the next three uh, after that. Um, so, Matt, what you, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm really I'm really happy for Atlanta. You know, they they started the season out, they had some injuries, and they they just kept making small trades here, little moves there that kind of just kept them going throughout the season. They did enough to get in, and and now now it's finally showing how good of a team they really are. You know, taking that series three to one, and their pitching played really well. They held held Milwaukee to one and a half runs per game. Mm-hmm. And the Braves average three runs per game. So their offense is playing okay, not great. Mm-hmm. I think their offense is going to have to play a little better when they face either the Dodgers or the Giants in the yeah. next round. But, you know, it's, it's, it's still really good to see Atlanta to, to really – I mean, this, this was a, a, a team that was done by management. Management did a great job mm-hmm. of managing this team, getting what they needed to get over those humps when people got injured and mm-hmm. just making all the right moves. It was a re- really impressive job. I, I think they're – their staff really should get a pay raise or something this offseason. They <laughs> yeah. did a great job with this team. Yeah, I have to. I have to agree with you, Matt. You know, I, I I was one of those people that, you know, early on, you know, yeah, they had Ronald Acuna, one of their star players, go down. They had one of their, you know, star pitchers go down. And I'm not talking just, you know, a few weeks. I mean, they're done for the entire year mm-hmm. kind of deal. And, I mean, those are two major hits to teams that would just cripple some teams. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Braves did a, did a nice job at the trade deadline, made, made a lot of key trades. And, they, they battled until the end in their division to win that division um, in the NL East. And, and I think that's a, a testament now to in these playoffs that, you know, they battled in this series right. against the Brewers. Um, you know, they, they took what they could get, you know, they didn't, they didn't do, they didn't score 10 runs a game. They right. didn't score, you know, 12 runs a game. They did, you know, three runs, but then they limited the Brewers from, from getting runs. They right. did what they had to do to get the job done. Like you said, going forward, I, I like their chances a little bit more against the Giants than, than the Dodgers, you know, just because of the offensive firepower that the Dodgers do have. Right. Um, but I, I, you know, going forward, I think the Braves are going to have to have a little bit more offensive firepower to to move to that, you know, elusive World Series potential World Series title. So, all right, well, we're going to switch it over to our our final topic. We're going to wrap it up with some more football, but we're going to switch over to college football. Um, so. Last week we obviously didn't have a didn't have a show, um, but we still picked five games and yep. we actually placed some money on it last <laughs> week. Since uh, the chief and the assistant chief were out in Vegas, we put uh, five dollars down on our on our five games, and unfortunately, Matt and I came home empty-handed. <laughs> but uh, the the chief he he went perfect five and zero oh last week, yep. and he uh, won himself almost forty forty one dollars. So he's sitting forty dollars forty dollars richer. So yep. if you if you want to Put some money now. I mean, we got some a little bit. Uh, Chief, little bit. Chief might be the guy to listen to. Right, right. Um, but we'll, we'll start with that that first that first game, which was a, a heck of a game, and that's that's at the time number six Oklahoma uh, scoring, you know, fifty five versus number twenty one Texas scoring forty eight. What a what a game that was. Matt. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma really battled back at the end after after the, they pulled the starting quarterback there, Spencer Rattler, they, they really made some, some impressive moves with the backup and, and really got back in the game. And the, the defensive side of the ball for Oklahoma is really what, what made it at the end. They made some huge plays down the stretch, uh, got them the ball back and got them a, a score there late. And uh, that, that was huge for Oklahoma to get them to win. Yeah, absolutely. I remember Matt was texting me. This game was 28-7 to after the first quarter. You know, Oklahoma's down 28-7. to I remember Matt texting me saying, well, we're already out of the money. <laughs> yeah, we we're, we, we, Oklahoma. We're, we're already sunk. You know, me and Matt both, you know, we, and, and dad as well uh, picked Oklahoma. So all of us were possibly <laughs> sunk after this first game. But they made a heck of a comeback, uh, you know, after switching quarterbacks. I mean, it, it, I have to give it to the true freshman, Caleb Williams, yeah. coming in in an Played environment great. like that. 
down that much in a, in a huge, you know, environment like that, come back and play as well as he did and, and lead that team back. That, that was absolutely, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, good, good for Oklahoma, kind of a, a statement win for them. Um, and, and, We'll see how how their season plays out moving moving forward. And we did play all these straight up. We would we would have missed this on the spread, mm-hmm. but straight up we we got yeah. The win we there. we just picked straight winners uh, when when we were making our bets. So you know we didn't take the take the spread into to account. So on to the next one that was pretty pretty exciting and came down to literally the last, the last play of the play. game uh, was then number thirteen Arkansas scoring fifty one versus number seventeen Old Miss uh, who scored fifty two. So. Wow, what what an offensive game this was. Uh, you know, both teams, you know, coming in, we thought, you know, Arkansas had a pretty good defense, right. but, uh, you know, got absolutely torn apart. Uh, you know, both teams, almost 1,300 total yards and 14 total touchdowns scored in this in this game. Uh, you know, Matt, what, what, do you, what do you think about that one? Yeah, I mean, going into this thing, I picked Arkansas because of their defense, yep. but their defense just played awful. Mm-hmm. Old Miss's defense also played awful, though. So, I mean, this was just an offensive battle back and forth. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know what Arkansas's coach was thinking going for two there at the end. I, I myself would have got into overtime and took, took my chances in a back-and-forth battle. But, you know, I, I guess neither team could stop each other. So, I, I, I can kind of see the point of, <laughs> well, let's win it now and get it over with. But yeah. – I don't know. I, I hate taking points off the board when you got them, and right. it, it was a weird call for me, and it obviously cost us. This was the game that cost me and Colton our bet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both had Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. And dad, dad picked Old Miss, so he, you know, we we were in Vegas watching this game at, at at a bar, and then we were watching the last play of the game, and I can remember when, yeah, Arkansas threw the incomplete pass. I don't think I've ever heard Dad yell as loud as he did, and uh, <laughs> he, he was happy that he was still. Still alive for the money, and and this was only the second game in the in the day, so he still had three more games yeah. to go. But uh, yeah, Arkansas, you know, I, I don't know the two point conversion, maybe a little bit questionable call in a maybe an SEC game that you kind of needed after right. that, you know, bad loss to Georgia. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you may have not wanted to take another one on the chin because right. now that maybe puts you out of contention in the in the SEC as far as getting back to play in the SEC championship or you know whatever. So. I don't know. It's it's a risky move, but at the end of the day, you know, sometimes it's yeah, it, you you gotta you know trust your team. I guess right. you, you know your your team, your offense was playing well. You know what you know what they hadn't been able to stop you all day, so you know we'll, we'll take our chances, yeah. I guess. But well, then moving on to our our third game, then in a, in a game that wasn't so exciting uh, was number then number two Georgia, you know, scoring thirty four versus then number eighteen Auburn, uh, only scoring ten points and. I don't think a lot can be said about this game other than Georgia continues to dominate everybody that they play, yeah, yeah, and especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, that defense is just simply phenomenal. They held Auburn to only 46 rushing yards. They sacked them four times. They got an interception out of the game. And this Georgia defense is for real. They, they may be the best defense in the country. A, yeah, and, uh, you know, they got rewarded um, due to Alabama taking an L last week. Yep. They are – Georgia is now the number one team in the, in the country – uh, and rightfully so. I mean, this 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 Auburn offense came in averaging almost averaging forty points a game uh, mm-hmm. and only scored ten against Georgia. I mean, this Georgia defense, yeah, is is for real. Uh, they they fly around the ball. I mean, from the defensive line to linebackers. I mean, you can't say that there's really a weak point in this Georgia defense. Right. So they they still got you know that SEC schedule. They still got some you know tough opponents going forward. But for the time being, they look like the team to beat not only in the sec but in the country right now so well and speaking of georgia moving up to one if we have time at the end of this thing maybe we'll talk a little bit about did alabama fall far enough mm. for for their big loss to the yeah to absolutely unranked team well another top five a top five matchup here that was uh yeah we we you know it was coin toss going in um you know was then number four penn state 20 versus number three iowa coming out on top with 23 points there and what a game this this was, you yeah. know, turned out to be, um, you know, like I said, the, the kind of the intro in the beginning was comebacks, comebacks, and more comebacks <laughs> right. because that's all we really saw this weekend in yeah, college Other than that Georgia game. Yeah, other, other than Georgia, you know, that dominated. Everything else was, uh, yeah, a, a tale of two halves. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think what you can say in this game is, you know, kind of similar to Georgia's defense. Iowa's defense looks legit in the Big Ten. I right. mean, they, they are probably maybe the sole reason that Iowa is where they are right now. Um, 
I, w- I will say they looked a little more legit in the second half once Sean Clifford went down. Yeah. I, I mean, Penn State was moving the ball in that first half and playing really well. Mm-hmm. I think that was the, the big turning point in this game. When, when Clifford went down, that Penn State offense couldn't move the ball oh, at yeah. all. No. And if he's going to be out for any significant time, I'm not sure how bad the injury really is. But if yeah, he, I haven't, he really, is, haven't really said too much. Yeah, uh, you know, like yeah. it's spelled doom for the rest of their season. Yeah, they were pretty uh, – the, the Penn State coach was pretty mute about it. Didn't really talk a lot mm. about it, you know, in his uh, after game press conference. And I really haven't heard anything this this week, you know, leading up to. I don't I don't know if Penn State has a bye this week or not. But yeah, you talked about it. Uh, you know, after Clifford went out, they only had 50 yards of offense on mm. 46 total plays. So not moving the ball yeah. a lot. You know, backup quarterback comes in, seven of 21, 34 passing yards. I mean, just a totally you know obsolete thing and I think at the same time though I think you have to put some of that on on the Penn State you know offense because at the same time when Clifford was in there you know he he was doing a lot with his arm and and making plays right that Penn State rushing attack is pitiful I mean it's absolutely atrocious and that that doesn't matter who you got in there at quarterback if you don't have a kind of a balanced offense that you can rely a little bit on that running game yeah, teams will find a way to teams, shut you teams down. are going to find you know you're one-dimensional they're going to find a way to stop you yeah. and, and it just so happened that this is how they did it I mean Sean Clifford goes out they bring in a backup who you know isn't as comfortable in the offense yeah. so they can't rely on the running game as much they already couldn't rely on it when they had their starting quarterback yeah. now they really can't when they bring in a backup so I think going forward, yeah, Penn State is going to have to figure out a way to get that running game going in some way right. or, or fashion, or it could be this this season could turn from, you know, from high hopes that Penn State have to, yeah. you know, turn for the worst if, if, if Clifford really is out a significant amount of time. So, well, moving into our last game then, uh, you know, another wild, fantastic, you know, comeback here and. That's number, you know, then number 14, Notre Dame winning 32 versus Virginia Tech, only scoring 29. And mm-hmm. yeah, what a what a game here with quarterbacks coming in, quarterbacks going out, quarterbacks <laughs> coming, coming back, in. back in. I mean, it, what, what a wild game we had yeah. had there. So, and actually the final game that, that set dad in the money. <laughs> and uh, I can remember watching it in the, you know, him checking the score in, in his hotel room with, with his phone and him going back, oh, Notre Dame's going to lose. Oh, no, they're coming back. Oh, Notre Dame's going to lose. I mean, it was just a whirlwind of emotions for Absolutely. him. So, <clears throat> uh, But, yeah, I think, like I said, starting quarterback Notre Dame, you know, Jack Cohn mm-hmm. gets benched in the first quarter, comes back in the fourth quarter, yep. leads him to the, you know, game-winning game, field goal drive. The tying drive and then the, the winning drive. Yeah, the, the, the backup, you know, comes in. He plays well for, you know, a couple quarters. Second half, you know, start of the third quarter, he throws some key interceptions. Brian Kelly says, oh, the heck with him. We're bringing Jack Cohn back yeah. in there. And it's just, I don't know how, you know, no wonder defenses can't, you know, can't play defense when you don't know no who, idea what's, yeah, coming. What, what's coming. So, you know, and going forward, it sounds like Notre Dame uh, potentially maybe using three quarterbacks <laughs> at, at, the, at the helm because they have three quarterbacks that, you know, are mediocre at best, or you right. know, have have shown some spurts of, of good, you know, good flashes at times, Go but the hot hand, but guess. then they've also you know shown some some mistakes as well. Right. So we'll be interesting to see how Notre Dame you know kind of navigates that. But uh, you know, yeah, what a what a wild game game that was. But uh, yeah, Notre Dame comes out comes out on top. Matt, I don't know if you had anything to add to that. No, so the chief, like you said, was five and zero this week. Me and Colton are both four and one. So, uh, Colton, you got the stats for the season so far? Yeah, so after week six, going into week seven here, uh, we got Dad sitting at the top. You know, the Chiefs sitting 22-8. Uh, and eight. Um, You know, pretty pretty good record there. And um, then Matt and I are, are tied for second, actually. We're 20-10. We're and 10. Um, Like Matt said, we went 4-1, uh, missed only the Arkansas-Old Miss game, or we would have been in the money. Um, but uh, ours would have been a little ours, significantly ours would have been higher. Like double, day, so. double the amount. We would have almost gotten eighty dollars. So, um, but yeah, we we lose five, we lose ten bucks instead. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, Dad's sitting at top of the standings. So we'll see what uh, what week seven brings us here. And we'll start with that that first game uh, in the Big Ten. We got number ten Michigan State uh, versus Indiana. Uh, that's a noon game. Uh, find it on uh, Fox Sports One on on Saturday. And Michigan State currently favored by four and a half. 
four and a half points. So Matt, what, what do you what do you think about that matchup? Yeah, I'm actually surprised it's only four and a half points. Indiana's really struggled against the three best teams they've played this year, uh, putting up zero points against Penn State, six against Iowa. They did score 24 against Cincinnati, but still lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Michigan State defense has played um, played really well this season. They're a lot like you know the Iowa defense and the Penn State defense. You know they're they're playing really well. They've racked up 20 sacks, four INTs on the season. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I just I don't think Indiana is going to be able to get the ball moving. I think that that defense is going to do do uh, big things against them, a lot like Penn State and Iowa did. And I, I think Michigan State gets gets an easy win. I think it's more than the four and a half point spread. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I think Michigan State gets it gets it done. Uh, not only is Indiana just not look like the same team that they were a year ago, but they're also going to possibly be starting a backup quarterback as well. Um, even though I don't know if that's really going to matter because their starting quarterback has just been. Michael Penix Jr. has been kind of up and down, inconsistent. Yeah, like just, 10 interceptions he has the not been or... the same guy that he he was last year. Has and and at the same time, just not has not been healthy either. Right. I think um, so. I think that definitely favors uh, Michigan State. Uh, I like Michigan State to get the win, and uh, the Chief picked Michigan State as well. So we're we're keeping track of him, even though he's not here. We're still yep. keeping track of his picks. So. All right, well, we're going to move it over to the Big 12 then with number 12, Oklahoma State, uh, coming in at 5-0 and versus number 25, Texas, coming in at 4-2. and uh, That's also a noon game and can be found on just regular Fox. Um, Texas, even though they're the lower-ranked team, comes into this game favored by 5.5 points. Matt, what, what do you like here? Yeah, I mean, even though Texas is coming off a, a really deflating loss last week when they thought they had that thing pretty much in the bag against Oklahoma, I, I still think uh, – Texas is going to do enough to win this game. I know Oklahoma State's 5-0 and while Texas is 4-2, and but Texas is really more battle-tested than Oklahoma State is at this point in the season. Uh, Oklahoma State's only averaging 25 points per game on offense, where Texas is averaging 45 points per game against some better opponents. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I like Texas' offense here against Oklahoma State, and I, I like Texas to take the win. Yeah, I, I got to agree, man. I, I like Texas as well. Um, I don't, you know, Oklahoma State's defense, you could say they're only giving up um, almost 19 points a game. So you can say that their defense is, is good, but like you said, I don't think that they've truly played some of the tougher teams here in the Big 12 to really be, you know, tested. And on the flip side there, you know, Oklahoma State's offense hasn't scored more than 31 points in a game yet right. this year. And and we're coming off a game where, you know, Texas just scored 48 in, in a game that they probably could have scored 60 or 70. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got limited in some opportunities because of the Oklahoma defense. I don't know that Oklahoma State has that same level of defense that, that Oklahoma does. Um, and, and I think since Texas has made the change at quarterback, bringing in Casey Thompson as the, as the QB in four games, Texas' offense is averaging 52 points a game yeah, and nice. nearly 550 total yards of offense. So I like Texas in this one, five and a half. I'm taking the over on the five and a half as far as the spread goes. Uh, I think they they get it done. Texas moves back up in the rankings, and Oklahoma State takes their takes their first loss. But I will say the chief he doesn't agree with us. He nope. took Oklahoma State in this in this matchup. So you know we got one one odd ball in, in that matchup. <laughs> well, we we got to get our comeback somehow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> we, we'll skip the next game, the big SEC game, since that's going to be the game of the week. We'll move over to the ACC, um, number twenty two, North Carolina State. Four and one versus Boston College, who is also four and one. That's a seven thirty p.m. Eastern time game, and that's over on ACC Network. North Carolina State's coming into this game favored by three points. Matt, what what, what do you think about this one? Yeah, you know, in a game like this, where these two teams are they're really close statistically in a lot of their categories. So I like the team that can grind it out a little better on the ground. Boston's college offense has has been really balanced this year. They put up two hundred seventeen yards passing per game, one hundred eighty seven rushing yards per game. Uh, that, that's quite a bit more rushing yards than uh, North Carolina State has per game on the season. So I, I think Boston's ability to, to ground it out and, and grind it to the game is going to do enough to put them over the edge here and give them the underdog win in this one. Yeah, I I have to disagree with you on this one, Matt. Uh, I actually got North Carolina and North Carolina State in this one. Um, I, I think, you know, on that defensive side of the ball for North Carolina State, they have been inconsistent at times, um, you know, they, they held Clemson to under 200 total yards of offense in their week four matchup. But then, you know, they gave up almost 500 yards to a Louisiana Tech team. Mm-hmm. So it's really going to be what kind of, you know, defense are you getting from North Carolina State? On, on, on the, you know, that same note, you know, North Carolina State's defense as far as rushing goes, they've only given up one rushing touchdown all year. So I think, 
you know, it, it, at the same time, Boston College doesn't have stellar QB play as far mm-hmm. as passing goes. I think if North Carolina State can can limit that rushing attack, kind of, you know, hone in and, and focus, you know, keep keep Boston College to kind of one-dimensional passing, I think North Carolina State wins. Close one, I think that three points is is probably spot, spot on mm-hmm. right there. So, all right, we're going to move over then to the Pac-12. We got the number 18 Arizona State Sun Devils at 5-1 and one versus Utah at 3-2. and two. This is a 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time game over on ESPN. And uh, actually, neither team is favored. This is actually an even game. Um, right. Vegas has it as of recently. Um, so it's actually a, a pick em game, which is what we're going to do anyways. So it's, uh, you know, perfect, perfect for us. So, Matt, what, what, do, what do you like here? You know what? I, Arizona State's more battle-tested so far to this point in the season, and I like their offense. Their offense and defense statistically are better than Utah's. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think it'll be a close game, but I think Arizona State gets the win. Yeah, I think it's going to be how does how does Utah kind of handle the the matchups in the trenches? Um, you know, they you know their de- their run defense has been terrible in both of their losses this year. They gave up you know more than 200 yards of rushing to both BYU and San Diego mm-hmm. State. However, you know, in recent wins against USC and Washington State, they gave up only a combined 162 rushing yards. So it's really going to be, can Utah State really get some, you know, some pressure, you know, limit, you know, Arizona State's offense because Arizona State has 21 rushing touchdowns so far this year. So can they, can they stop that rushing attack for Arizona State? And I think on the flip side, then for Utah's rushing attack, They've had they had difficulty running the ball against San Diego State. They only got 70 yards on 31 carries. Um, but in those wins, like I said, against Washington State and USC, they rushed for almost a combined 400 rushing yards. So it's going to be really can their offensive line get a push, right. and then on the flip side, can their defensive line get get a push? And, and at the at the same time, you also got to look at Arizona State coming in with 21 rushing touchdowns, but their defense has 21 sacks on mm-hmm. the year too. So. I think there's just too much going for for Arizona State. They look like the hotter team coming into this into this game. I think Arizona Arizona State gets it done. Like I said, it's even, so no no spread. I think they get the win, one point, two points, whatever. I think Arizona State gets it done. Did we uh, give the Chiefs pick on these last two? Oh yeah, and then uh, the last two, then uh, North North Carolina State game. Um, the Chief has North Carolina State, and then he has actually Utah in this matchup. So, so a couple differences, differences, a couple yeah. differences here with that man sitting at the top of the leaderboard. So maybe Matt and I can can pick up some ground mm-hmm. here. But uh, then our final game, which is going to be the college game day game of the week, is the big battle over there in the SEC against uh, number eleven um, Kentucky six and zero versus. Number one, Georgia, who's also six and zero, and that's a three thirty p.m. Eastern time over on CBS. And wow, Georgia is actually favored by twenty three points going into this one. Matt, what, what what do you think of that? You know, who thought we'd be saying Kentucky is playing in the game of the week and they're six and zero in the SEC after beating Florida? Yeah, I mean, you know, Kentucky's played some good ball this year, but they just they don't have enough to hold up to that Georgia defense. That's a whole different animal. Georgia's defense is one of the best, if not best, in the country, giving up. Uh, a total of 33 points combined this season. Yeah. Uh, I think they'll hold Kentucky under their average of 31 points per game and Georgia's offense will be able to do enough to win. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you could say, you know, uh, there's so many statistics out there on Georgia's defense, <laughs> but I'm going to hit you with a few more. Uh, they've they've held their six opponents to 399 rushing yards on 179 carries. That's about two yards a, a carry, and they've only given up one rushing touchdown the entire the entire season. I mean, uh, and, and for me, I think that's the big thing that Kentucky wants to try to kind of do in this game. They want to establish that run game, and Georgia's they they're not going to let that happen. Um, so they're going to force Kentucky's quarterback Will Levis, uh, former Penn State quarterback, um, coming in averaging only 124 passing yards in four SEC games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not a big no, not not a lot of yards on on in the through the air. Um, I just think that, yeah, Georgia's going to limit, force, force, you know, Kentucky to be kind of a one-dimensional team, force Levis into some decisions that he's not going to be happy with. 23 points is steep, but I think Georgia gets it done. Yeah. They cover the spread and, and, and get the win. Um, and then the Chief agrees he's got Georgia in this yeah. one as well. So, well, that's going to wrap up our, our show this week. Um, we, you know, appreciate, thanks for listening to uh, Fired Up with your hosts, Colton Cal, Matt Cordes. 
Um, you know, we hope you enjoyed our episode this week. Um, you know, next week we're going to come to you live, uh, I think Tuesday yeah. next week. Um, hopefully we'll have uh, the chief back in, back in the studio. So we'll be back to, you know, three guys instead of just going back and forth between <laughs> me and Matt. Um, but, you know, if you want to hear, you know, other topics for future episodes or, you know, just have a, a burning sports question, um, feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram. Our uh, handle is fired up underscore podcast. Or you can find us on Facebook, uh, Fired Up Comma Sports Co- Podcast. Um, and, always, and as always, you can head over to our website, which is firedup1.podbean.com to find all of our past episodes. And you can find uh, other links to get to those different podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora. You know, basically wherever you can find a podcast, you can find our show. So, you know, we appreciate you listening. And as always, stay fired, fired up. up.